Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. We started talking on Thursday evening last about Jesus Christ the Rock. We spoke this morning about Jesus Christ the Rock. Tonight, Jesus Christ the Rock and Jesus Christ the Stone. The Rock and the Stone. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Praise God. Who brought the people out of Egypt? The rock. Who led the people through the Red Sea? The rock. Who carried the people and provided for them through the wilderness? The rock. Who brought them into the land of promise? That would be the rock. Who delivered you from sin? The rock. Who brought you out of the old life into a new life? That would be the rock. Who's led you safe this far and provided for you all the way? That would be the rock. And who's going to lead you all the way home to that promised land? That would be the rock. Hallelujah. Father, bless your word to our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's turn our Bible to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2, having established that Jesus Christ is the rock. This morning we saw that rock as a high tower and a refuge. That rock is a living rock and a hiding place in times of trouble. That rock is a sure defense. That rock is our strength, our habitation. He is holy and He saves. That rock is Christ. Now the Bible says in 1 Peter 2 and verse number 7, we'll come back to this chapter later. 1 Peter 2, 7, Unto you therefore which believe, He is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto they were appointed. So, the Lord Jesus Christ is chosen by God the Father to be the chief cornerstone of the building. He is rejected by men. They don't want Him to be the chief cornerstone. They don't want Him to be the headstone. And so they reject Him and they cast Him out. But to those of us that believe, He's precious. To those of us who believe, we find Him to be the source of all life and of all life worth living. But not everybody sees Him that way. Some, some find Him offensive. Look what He's called. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Now, why are they offended by the Lord Jesus Christ? Because they're disobedient. Disobedient people find someone who is holy to be offensive. Disobedient people find someone who is righteous to be offensive. But God chose that holy and righteous one, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be the headstone of the corner. Now, we'll talk more about that, that building and the structure thereof in just a little while. But here's what I want to know this evening. Have you believed and found him precious? Or have you been disobedient and found him offensive? You can tell real quick when you talk to somebody where they stand, on which side of the, of the rock they stand. 
Are they offended when you talk to them about Jesus? Or do they find conversation about Jesus a precious thing? Do they, do they, are you saved? Listen, who gets angry about being asked, are you saved? Who gets upset when you ask them, are you saved? Well, what do you think? Well, I think you're not. <laughs> well, how dare you? Well, just all I can go by is the fact that you were offended when I brought up the rock. Now, when I meet somebody, are you saved? Oh, yeah, praise the Lord. Let me tell you how, how I got saved. Let me tell you when I got saved. You know why they want to, you know why they respond that way? To them, he's precious. Same rock. It just depends on how you look at him. Same person. Just depends on how you look at him. If he's your savior, he's precious. If he's your future judge, he's offensive. Bible says in Romans, let's go there, Romans chapter number 9. Ninth chapter of Romans. We're looking at two of the several places where Psalm 118 is quoted. And we'll go to that psalm in just a few moments. Romans chapter 9. Romans 9 and verse number 30. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have obtained to righteousness. Even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, had not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense. And whosoever believeth on him should not be ashamed. Now here's what happened. The Gentiles never had the law. The, the nation of Israel had the law. The Gentiles didn't have commandments direct from God telling them how to be righteous. The nation of Israel had commandments sent directly by God telling them how to be righteous. The Gentiles were never righteous, but the Israelites were never righteous. Israel had commandments and instructions telling them how they could be righteous, but Romans 9 said they never were. The Gentiles had no commandments and no instructions, and they never were. But when Jesus Christ came along and said, If you'll believe on me, I'll make you righteous, the nation of Israel said, Why, who are you? We've got the law. Now, they didn't keep it, but they were offended when Jesus said, You need me. Because they thought they already had an inside track to God and to eternal life because he had given them the law. Never mind the fact that none of them kept it. They thought that merely possessing the law made them right with God. And when Jesus Christ said, you're not right with God because you haven't kept the law, you need to put your faith in me, they were offended. Now, when the Gentiles heard Jesus say, just trust in me and I'll give you everlasting life, just come to me and I'll save your souls, they were more than happy to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And so the Bible says, here it is, the same rock was an offense to the nation of Israel and was a joy to the hearts of many Gentiles and what made the difference. Some thought they were righteous without Christ Others acknowledged they could not be righteous without Christ and came to the righteous one and trusted his righteousness. Now, tonight, are you a good person or are you saved? Are you trying or are you saved? Are you doing the best you can or are you saved? Are you a Baptist or are you saved? 
I've found that it's not, it's not just the wild living and, and low life in a community that get offended when you ask them if you're saved. It's the people that were at church that very morning. It's the people who are moral and the people who are decent and the people who are not criminals and the people who view themselves as being far superior to their neighbors in, in their character and their manner of living. And they might be. But they've not kept God's laws. They've not obeyed all God's commandments. And so when you say to them, you might be the best man in town, but you need Jesus Christ, they are offended. And where do people get saved? I mean, by and large, in this generation, not a generation ago, but in this generation, by and large, where do people get saved? Rescue missions, jailhouses, housing projects, third world countries. Why? They're so happy to know that God sent His Son to love them and forgive them and give them everlasting life. Well, sure, if that's all I got to do to be saved, I'd be a fool not to get saved, says the down and out. And so, it's, again, it's the same rock. It just depends on how you look at Him. You know, if you, if you way down here looking up at that rock, you say, oh, could I possibly have, have a rock like that as my Savior? But if you view yourself as being way up here looking down on the rock, well, I don't know what I need with him, why I'm this and I'm that, and I've accomplished this and I've done that in my life. But I'll tell you, that rock, he's the rock that's higher than I. He's the rock that's higher than all, and I don't find him offensive at all. I find him precious. So, Matthew chapter 7, let's go there. Matthew chapter number 7, some of the boys and girls were quoting these passages to me this very morning. What a blessing have young people memorizing Scripture. It's too hard to memorize Scripture. I see boys and girls at the traffic light sitting in the car, and they've memorized Miley Slimus, or whatever her name is. They've memorized Bounce Off Me and, and uh, you know, all, those, all those singers, and, they, and they're just singing away. Of course, when it's just five or six words repeated a hundred times, it's not, not hard to, to memorize. But if you can memorize anything, you can memorize Scripture. And so it's a blessing to see these boys and girls doing that. And the Bible says in verse number 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. Now who's the rock? That's Jesus Christ. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, should be likened unto a foolish man, which built his condo on the dunes at New Smyrna. Daytona. Where, hey, you might build on those, but you, you better go way down till you hit some rock, or that thing go tip over when a little hurricane comes along. Why? If rain descended, 27. The floods came, the winds blew, beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, listen. What's the difference in these two individuals? Well, it's not rain descending. Rain descended on both of them. It's not winds blowing, winds blew on both their houses. It's not the floods came, floods came on both houses. What's the difference? The foundation. Life doesn't change just because you get on a solid rock. But your ability to stand 
through the course of that life changes dramatically when you're built upon a rock. Everybody has floods, everybody has rain, everybody has winds, everybody has storms. But those built upon the sand, down they go. Those built upon the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, they stand. Praise the Lord. The wise man built his house upon the rock and the rains came tumbling down. And the rains came down and the floods came up. And the rains came down and the floods came up. And the rains came down and the flood came up. And the house on the rock stood firm. Amen. Now you got to watch me. This morning I had Jesus making, what did he make? He made water out of wine. That too is a miracle. That's one of the many John said he didn't have time to write about. <laughs> so i got to be careful. So the rain came down, floods came, but the house stood. And that's, that's what I want. I want to live this life. I'd like to live a life with no trouble, but that's the next life. I'd like to live a life without difficulties and trials. That's the next life. But in this life, when all those things come, I know by, by God's grace, my life is built upon a rock, solid rock. Praise the Lord. All right, let's go to Psalm 118. So that's the rock. How about the stone? The stone, Psalm 118. This passage of Scripture is quoted several times in the New Testament. Powerful and important portion of the Word of God. Psalm 118. Verse number 21. I will praise thee... For thou hast heard me, and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Okay, let's, let's say something here. This prophecy is similar to the one we looked at just a week or so ago about the only begotten Son, where one event is referred to, or one prophecy is referred to, having, having promise of several different events. And there are several different events that are in view when the Bible talks about Jesus Christ as the stone which the builders rejected being the headstone of the corner. Now, there's a beautiful song. That, that, or, or, that somebody took this verse and put to music, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord hath made, that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice, we will rejoice and be glad in it. And we, we get up in the morning, so this is the day the Lord hath made, let's rejoice and be glad in it. Or this is the day the Lord hath made, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Listen, every day we could say, this is a day which the Lord hath made. And every day we could rejoice and be glad in it. I am not taking that away. But the verse... In the context, Psalm 118 verse 24 is referring not to every day, but to a day. It's referring to the day when God the Father set Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone in place to build everything permanent and everything lasting upon Him. And of that day we rejoice. And of that day, we are glad. And of that action, we are thankful and we praise God for doing that. Praise the Lord. Now, now what do you do? The Bible says in verse number 25, The stone 
which the builders refused. Now, if you, if you understand all through that Old Testament and all the way up to Calvary, what was in view was the kingdom of heaven. And, and the kingdom of heaven is best described as follows. It is the government of God entrusted to the hands of man. And men have tried or tried for some 4,000 years to build a kingdom of peace and righteousness or of power and glory upon this earth. And every one of them failed. The Egyptians failed and the, the, the well before that, the crew at Babel failed and the Canaanites failed and the Israelites failed and the Babylonians failed and the Medes and the Persians failed and the Romans failed and then guess who showed up? The stone. The chief corner stone upon which the kingdom long promised and the kingdom long desired could finally be built and built properly and the builders refused that cornerstone. We want to build a great kingdom, but not if it's anchored in Him. We want to build something lasting and permanent, but not if it's anchored to Him. We'll build a third Reich or a fifth Reich or a thousand years of this or a, a millennium of that, as long as it doesn't have to be tied to that Jesus Christ. When he came and stood, the people said, we have no king but Caesar. And Caesar's representative said, I find no fault with him, take him away and crucify him. Because the Jews and the Romans agreed on one thing, we both want a kingdom, but we don't want that king. And he is truly the stone which the builders refused. But, but, that same stone is become... The head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It's not a council of churches doing. It's not a United Nations doing. It's not a denomination doing. It's not a Roman doing. It's not a Gentile doing. It's not a Jew doing. This is the Lord's doing. Is it marvelous in your eyes that God Almighty could take a crucified carpenter and set him on the throne of glory at Jerusalem to rule and reign over all the earth. That's a marvelous thing. This is the Lord's doing. And he will do it and he will accomplish it. Now, let's look at the road to that accomplishment. Come to Luke chapter number 20. Luke chapter 20. We could go to Mark 12. That's a cross-reference, but we'll look at the Luke passage. Luke chapter number 20. And the Bible says in verse number... Let's go ahead and read, let's read the, the passage here. It's rather lengthy, but that's okay. The Bible says in verse 8, Jesus said to them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. Then began he to speak to the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard, and led it forth the husbandman, and went into a far country for a long time. And at the season he sent a servant to the husbandman that they should give him of the fruit of the vineyard, but the husbandman beat him and sent him away empty. And again he sent another servant, and they beat him also, and entreated him shamefully, and sent him away empty. And again he sent a third, and they wounded him also, and cast him out. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Now we know who that is, don't we? It may be they will reverence him when they see him. But 
When the husbandmen saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them? He shall come and destroy these husbandmen, and shall give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, God forbid. And he beheld them and said, What is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And the chief priests and the scribes the same hour sought to lay hands on him. And they feared the people, for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. Now, what, what's the problem? They want control. They want power. They want dominion. They want to be the authority. But God sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, my vineyard, I give it to my Son. He said, well, we'll just kill Him. God said, you kill Him if you want to. I'll raise Him from the dead. And I'll rid my land of every last one of you and I will set him upon the throne and everybody that lives to see it will marvel. It will be marvelous in their eyes to behold my son sitting on the throne of glory. Now you know what? I've said this before many times, but there are, there are a lot of people in your town, church going people, not church going people. And they're okay with you reading the Bible. You're not totally, totally cuckoo if you read the Bible. They're okay with you going to church. You're not absolutely crazy if you go to church. But you sit down at a table across a, two cups of coffee, and you say to them, I believe that the man who walked by the Sea of Galilee and died upon a cross 2,000 years ago is going to set foot on this earth again and destroy all the warring powers on this planet, and sit on a throne in Jerusalem and rule the whole thing, if you say that with absolute certainty and fervent belief, they absolutely think you're out of your mind. Won't the world marvel when the Lord, establishes the headstone of the corner and builds the entire kingdom upon him. They thought they'd gotten rid of him. They thought they crucified him. They thought they were done with that Jesus fellow once and for all. They've not seen the last of the Lord of glory. He will rule and he will reign. Hallelujah. Now, let's come to Acts chapter number 4. Book of Acts in the fourth chapter. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. You know who that is? That's the same bunch Jesus spoke to in Luke 20. Here it comes again. Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, 
whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone. Now you know those men, when they heard those words, how could they not recall the Lord Jesus shaking them to the core, quoting this very verse of Scripture in reference to their rejecting him? And now he's risen from the dead. They all know that the miracles have continued. They all know that tomb was empty. They all know that no soldiers didn't let anybody steal the body. They have paid to silence the witnesses who were at the tomb. Paid them to lie about the disciples stealing the body because they know it wasn't stolen. Now Peter says to them, Be it known unto you all and all the people of Israel, This same Jesus, the same Jesus, whom ye crucified, raised from the dead. Verse 11, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders. There it comes again. Which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name given among heaven, uh, given under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now, here's the great thing about this. Look over here. Look over here in Babylon. See them. See them down in the dirt, laying a cornerstone, and they're going to build a great kingdom up from that cornerstone. God tore it down. Look over here, Media Persia. See him laying that cornerstone in the ground, great cornerstone. And God's going to, they're going to build it up from the ground up. God's going to tear it down. Here comes the Grecian Empire. They're going to build it up. God's going to tear it down. Here comes the Roman Empire. They're going to build it up. God's going to tear it down. Soviet Union, Nazi Germany, United States of America, whatever, whatever. It, listen, if it starts down here and tries to build up, it'll end just like that Tower of Babel did. Do you know what the Lord did? His chief, his chief cornerstone is a headstone. The kingdom God's building starts at the top and builds downward. It starts with Christ upon His throne and the Lord built from that throne downward until it reached you and until it reached me until one day it'll fill this whole earth and beyond. He's a headstone of the corner. Now, the occultists, they know it's true. They've just rejected the headstone of the corner. So when they, when they put their occult symbolism on the back of your dollar bill, they got a building with a headstone. And the headstone's coming down out of heaven. But it's disconnected. We'll build a kingdom, and then the Lord, if He wants to, He can come rule over it, but we're going to build it. No, you're not. No, you're not. He is the headstone, but He is the chief cornerstone, and you're not going to build a kingdom, or a lodge, or a nation, or an empire, and then Jesus said, well, I like that, I think I'll attach myself to that. Oh, no, no. He's not going to attach himself to anything man has done. You are going to fall upon that stone and be broken, and be part of what he's building, or he's going to come down here and grind you to powder. Amen. That's how it goes. Praise the Lord. Now, let's come to Ephesians chapter number 2. 
Ephesians chapter number 2. He will be, He will be the foundation stone in the earthly kingdom, but He is already the foundation stone in the church, which is His body. Look at Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians 2, the Bible says, verse 19, Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, we're not Gentiles anymore, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. How about that? Now, Brother Sam's a concrete man. Many of you construction workers. I was a construction worker once for about two weeks. And the man who was running the job who knew so much about construction, it took him that long to realize I could not be taught. So he sent me on my way. But here's what I've seen. Here's what I've seen. Construction job. They take the plans out there and the blueprints. And page one of those blueprints is never the roof. Page one of those blueprints is never the hallway. Where do we start? We're going to get this piece of land and we're going to start right here. And we're going to dig a foundation that way. And we're going to dig a foundation that way. And we're going to move out from here. There's a foundation. And then we're going to set up at whether it's foundation or stem wall or pillars, whatever it is, we're going to start with this one right here. We're going to measure everything off this one. We're going to attach everything to this one. And Brother Sam comes out. Guy gets off, the, pulls the truck, concrete truck up, says, uh, who's running this job? Sam says, I am. He said, that's funny. Where's your grandson? Sam says, you won't be laughing three hours from now when you're in that truck begging for mercy. <laughs> You know what they do? They don't start pouring in the middle. They start pouring right here at that corner. And all goes out from there. I'm telling you, every, everything, everything this building started in one spot. And everything in the church started in one spot. And it wasn't John the Baptist. And it wasn't Paul the Apostle. And it wasn't Peter. And it wasn't, it wasn't some mystery hidden in somebody's pocket somewhere. It was Jesus Christ. Your salvation doesn't start with Him, you're not saved. Your doctrine doesn't start with Him, you're off the track. He's the chief cornerstone. The church starts at the highest point and builds downward. It doesn't start down here and build up. He's a headstone. He's a chief cornerstone. It doesn't start on earth. It starts at the right hand of the Father. That's why the Holy Ghost was sent down from heaven to add those believers to Christ. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He didn't look right. He didn't look left. He didn't look in front. He didn't look in back. He looked up and found his salvation there. He's the headstone. It all starts with him and it builds downward. There's no building like it. Not a building like it in all in all creation, all the universe. Can you imagine that? Bob's, Bob's studying to become, he, he's long, for all his life he's been Bob, but he's, he's wanting to become Bob the builder. And so he studies for his contractor's license and he goes in and they said, well, well, uh, 
What's your name? My name's, my name's Bob Wilkins. What do, you want? what do you want me? I want to be a contractor. Okay, here's the test. Go take the test. Point, question number one, where do you lay the cornerstone? Answer, in the air. He's done. That's it. He's not getting, no, no, no. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a new thing. I'm going to start in the air. I'm going to put the cornerstone up in the air, and then I'm going to build down toward the earth. No, you're not. You can draw a picture of it. You can't build it. But God in the Old Testament drew the picture of it. And in the New Testament, He built it. And we're all fitly framed together to Him. Now, a wonderful, amazing thing. And so the Bible says uh, here in um, Ephesians 2 that we are builded together. Verse 21, we are fitly framed together. Verse number 20 Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Apostles might be part of the foundation, but none of them are the cornerstone. Jesus Christ, chief cornerstone. All right, 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse number 2. Now, three, if so be you've tasted the Lord is gracious. So we're talking about the Lord. To whom coming as unto a living stone. Oh, there's only one of those. A stone that's alive. A living stone. That's Jesus Christ. Unto whom coming uh, as, as unto a living stone. Disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. See there? Quoting the whole thing again. Men? No, we won't allow that. God's so too bad. I'm going to do it anyway. But those that believe, He's precious. Ye also, as lively stones. Now, isn't it? Just, come on, just think about this. Here's the stone. It's the headstone. It's the chief cornerstone. It's alive. There's no other stone ever been made that's alive. It's a living stone. And God, when you, when you believe on Him, God reaches down and cuts you out of the quarry and attaches you to all the other stones that are attached to that living stone. And when God attaches you, puts you into that building, fits, fitly frames you into that building, there is so much life in that stone that it brings you to life. You become a lively stone because of your attachment to the living stone. Isn't that amazing? I have life, but it's only in Him. I live, but it's only through Him. So we got this building that's alive. Isn't that incredible? What a, what, a, what a strange, unusual thing. He also is lively. Stones are built up a spiritual house. And holy priesthood offer up spiritual sacrifice up to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. 
But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed the same as made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumbled at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not, a people, were not a chosen generation, were not a royal priesthood, were not a holy nation, did not show forth the praises of Him, which in time past were not a people, but now are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. <laughs> hey, you know what? Once upon a time, This was a piece of sheetrock at a hardware store. You know what it is now? It's part of a church. Once upon a time, this was a cement block sitting down at Rinker or whoever's still in business after the collapse. Now it's part of a church. You know what? Once upon a time, <laughs> just a two by four. Stacked up in a lumberyard somewhere. Now it's part of a church. That sheetrock didn't just throw itself up on that wall and paint itself. And that block didn't stack itself there and say, I'll, I'll be right there, that part of that wall. And this board didn't say, you know, I think I'll cut myself into this and decorate that window. A wise builder with a plan said, I'll buy that, take it down to the job site, I'll put it right there. I'll buy that, take it down to the job site, I'll put it right there. I'll buy that, fix it up a little bit, take it down to the job site, I'll put it right there. This thing didn't evolve and it didn't build itself. Somebody said, I got a plan. I can make something out of that piece of sheetrock. I can make something out of that cement block. If I could get them all fitly framed together, I could turn a bunch of materials, lifeless materials and turn them into a place where people sing and pray and make friends and get married and, and celebrate life and enjoy meals and worship God and get saved. I could take all those bits and pieces of lifeless material and turn it into a place where people's very lives center. You know what the Lord did? He said, I I can take you and I can put you there and I can take you and I can put you there and I can take you and I can put you there. I can make you live as a part of my church. Wow. You talk about a wise master builder, but none of it starts with you. It starts with Jesus Christ. He's the chief cornerstone. We're just here for you. Sorry, we're not. We're here for Christ. Everything we do, we do for you. No, no, we don't. No, we do it for Jesus Christ. Because I'm just laying down there in the back of the lumber yard of the hardware store. And then the Lord came along. Want to be part of this? I don't want to give up collecting dust in the back of the warehouse. Of course I want to be part of that. But only if I get to be the stained glass window. <laughs> now, he'll put you where you need to be. 
He'll put you where you'd be best. Isn't that right? Now, suppose, look, this, just for a second. See this sheetrock here? What if we tried to use that for the floor? Wouldn't work. Wouldn't work. What if we tried to use that cement block for the benches? Wouldn't work in America. See, everything's where it needs to be. Everything's where it's suited. Everything's where it's fitly framed together. Just be glad you're in the building. Don't don't fuss because you're not this part or that part. You're joined to the chief cornerstone, headstone of the building, and it all looks up to him. Praise the Lord. So, the rock is Christ. Unbelievers find him offensive. Wise men build their lives upon him. He's the foundation stone, the precious cornerstone, rejected by those who would build their own kingdom, but chosen by the Father. The church rests on Him. Aren't you glad of that? The church lives through Him. Hallelujah. Father, we thank You for the rock. We thank You for the stone. We thank You for the cornerstone. We thank You for the headstone. We thank You for life in and through a living stone of your choosing. Oh, Father, how well you chose when you chose Jesus Christ to be the head stone of the corner. Thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.